For some of you, that may have been all too real. And you're now like, i got to get started or I'm not going to get done. Christmas can be a busy time. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Now, a question mark can really make a difference, can it? There are, there are countless statements that completely change if you put a question mark at the end of them. If I say I love you, that's nice, right? But if I put a question mark on it, if I say I love you, I leave a little bit of room for maybe I do, maybe I don't. In fact, let me, let me put it to you this way, gentlemen, if you're married, uh, if during your wedding ceremony the preacher looked at you and said, do you take this woman, you said, I do, you probably would have gotten smacked during your own wedding ceremony. Because if you had put a question mark at the end of I do, you'd have been in some trouble. It leaves this possibility that I, I might not. And as we approach Christmas, you've almost certainly heard on the radio already, unless you're boycotting Christmas radio stations, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And so today I want to stick a question mark at the end of that statement and ask the question, it's the most wonderful time of the year? Is it? And maybe it is for you. And if it is, that's great. Maybe it is for me. But the truth is I understand that it might not be for you. And it might not be for your neighbor, it might not be for your coworker. it might not be for your boss or a relative of yours or your kid's teacher or your mailman, or I could go on and on. Not everyone is excited about Christmas every year, and we don't always think about that. There are a number of possible reasons why. Maybe they watched How the Grinch Stole Christmas and they identified most closely with the Grinch before his heart grew three sizes that day, and then they just don't like Christmas. They hate the whole Christmas season. Don't ask him why. No one quite knows the reason. Some of you haven't watched that movie recently enough. There are people who would rather just skip this time of year. They say, this is really not my thing. I'm not really all about it. People are way too excited, and I would just like to skip it. And if that's the case, even if there's not a really great reason, we're not going to sit in the seat of judgment today and say that that's not okay. That's fine. But more likely, there is a good reason. A death in the family near Christmas will make it difficult to celebrate. Or just as much, if this is the first Christmas since you've lost someone that you love, if this is the first Christmas without them, that can hit especially hard, that empty seat at the Christmas dinner table, whatever it is. A lost job, a a failing marriage, struggling kids, financial troubles, health issues, the list could go on and on of reasons that maybe Someone in your life, or even you yourself, are not that excited to celebrate this Christmas. Or maybe the biggest one that we might not even notice in the lives of the people around us, loneliness is certainly a reason. Not everyone has someone to spend Christmas with. If you walk down the street and you ask random people what Christmas is about, you'll absolutely get the Sunday school answer. Like You'll get people that just say, oh, it's about Jesus, it's about Jesus. But my guess is just as much you'll get people who say, it's about spending time with family and friends. It's about togetherness. But not everyone has family and friends to spend that time with. It's likely that someone in your neighborhood will be spending Christmas alone this year. It's likely that you know someone who won't receive a Christmas card this year, who won't receive a gift this year, who won't receive a phone call this year for Christmas. Maybe you won't even be wished a Merry Christmas. And you might wonder why I'm being such a downer. You might say, well, I thought we were going to start talking about Christmas and there'd be sugar plums and candy canes and it would be all happy and nice and and we'd sing a Christmas carol together and do all those things. And that's fun, but the goal today is not necessarily to get you excited for the Christmas season. You see, the reason I tell you all this right up front 
is because knowing and acknowledging that this is not the most wonderful time of the year for everyone could in fact make it the best Christmas yet. If we let it. It's really up to us. I'm a big fan of what I would call uh, kiddie sports movies. You probably know the type I'm talking about. As a, as a child of the late 80s and early 90s, the, the Mighty Ducks, Angels in the Outfield, Rookie of the Year, Little Big League kind of movies um, that, that maybe you've heard of. Those are still classics. I still watch them. Um, I'm not going to lie about that. The Sandlot was on yesterday, and I started watching it because I couldn't help it. I've seen it a million times. But we love, I love those kiddie sports movies. And the one thing that so many of them have in common is that when the underdog team wins, and let's be real, 99% of the time the underdog team wins in these movies, when the underdog team triumphs, when they win, the team goes crazy with celebration. And it's usually in slow motion, and there's usually like a great song in the background, like We Are the Champions by Queen or something like that. And it's this really celebratory moment, everybody's, you know, everybody's moving, and sometimes it even ends in a freeze frame, which is my favorite. But the other team. Sometimes we forget that there's another team in those scenes that didn't win. And they look dejected and defeated. And the truth is, sometimes those of us that go big and crazy with our Christmas celebrations look like the winning team in the kiddie sports movie, while our neighbors or our coworkers or our friends who might not be as excited about the holidays look a little bit more like the defeated team. And I'll tell you what else is, is true of those movies. Um, the winning team doesn't usually notice nor care about the losing team during the celebration. And I think sometimes in the midst of our Christmas celebration, we ignore, uh, intentionally or unintentionally, that there are people around us at Christmas time who really aren't in a place to celebrate. And, and so that's where I want to start this Christmas season. If we're really going to make this the best Christmas yet, not just for ourselves, but for other people, we have to start here. We have to say, are there some things <coughs> that I could do to better serve those people, to better reach out to those people. And so we're going to talk about three of those today together. The first one is this. We need to notice the people around us. <coughs> we need to notice the people around us. We need to open our eyes and say, there are people around me who I probably have not noticed aren't thrilled about Christmas. And yet if we start here acknowledging that not everyone's excited about Christmas, that not everyone's in the mood to celebrate, we are taking a big step towards making this the best Christmas ever. So often we get a one-track mind, we get focused on our own celebration. Actually, some, some of us really do have a schedule that rivals the video we watched at the beginning of the sermon, and, and there's all these things we have to do at school and at church and at work, and we have all these gifts to buy, and we have all these cookies to bake, and we get this one-track mind that that to-do list has to be done. Here's all the things I have to do, so here I'm going to do them. And the truth is, even if you complete that to-do list, there's, there's a prob- there's, it's probable that you've missed something or missed someone. It reminds me of a story we find in Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, the scripture will be on the screen. It's also in your bulletin. It says this, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Some of you are thinking about the person who never helps at the family dinner, and and that's okay. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. 
There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and will not be t- it will not be taken away from her. You see, sometimes, around Christmas especially, we're a lot more like Martha than Mary. Martha was doing things that she deemed to be important. And it almost caused her to miss something so much more important. The presence of Jesus himself. We need to make sure that we're, we're not so focused on what we think we have to do before Christmas that we miss something or someone. We need to make sure that our eyes are open in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, at our schools, everywhere we go, to the fact that there are people who are not as excited about Christmas as we are. And if our eyes are open, if they're truly open, I think we will see those people that we often overlook during the Christmas season. And when we see them and we acknowledge that they're just not in a celebratory mood this year, we have an opportunity to do the second thing we need to do, which is to encourage the people around you. Because acknowledgement is fine, but if then we take no action, what's the point? We have an opportunity, and I would even say a responsibility, to encourage one another at all times. But it seems like encouragement of some kind would be especially helpful around Christmas. Around Christmas. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Paul is talking to, to Jesus followers here but I, about other Jesus followers, but I think this applies outside of these walls, outside of this family of believers as well. He says this, So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. Just as we need encouragement from one another. And we need that. We need encouragement from another. A lot of us thrive on the encouragement that we get from one another. But just as we need that, so we need to also give that encouragement out to the people around us. Being encouragers in whatever way possible, needs to be one of the things that we simply are if we're going to be Jesus followers. It should be one of the greatest tools in our belt is to be an encourager. And in the context of this Christmas, this happens in a lot of ways, and I really want you to think about this. I'm going to give you kind of three categories, three general ideas for how you can do this, but I want you to think about this in your context. The first way is this. You can invite someone into your celebration. Invite someone into your celebration. Invite them to a Christmas gathering. Invite them to church. Give them a gift. Bake them some cookies. Whatever it looks like. And here's what I think. Whatever the reason they might not be so excited about Christmas this year, you making the invite, you inviting someone into your celebration could make a huge difference in their life this Christmas. Just just by being invited. Now, they may not even accept the invitation. But just being recognized, just being acknowledged, just being invited in to the celebration could make a big difference for their Christmas this year. The second thing, take your celebration to someone else. Take your celebration to someone else. Volunteer to help with an elderly neighbor's Christmas decorations. Serve at a a soup kitchen. Donate to any number of Christmas-related causes. Get people together and go caroling. We just don't do that kind of stuff anymore. But to someone who is stuck in their home this Christmas, carolers on the front stoop could be the most Christmas cheer they experience. For some, if someone doesn't bring the celebration to them, there won't be any celebration. And then the third one, which really of these three is probably the most important, which is to encourage through your understanding. And here's what I mean by that. Encourage through your understanding of their feelings about Christmas, of their emotional state around Christmas, 
of their level of you know, willingness to celebrate this Christmas. One of the worst things that we could possibly do if someone isn't so much on board for celebrating this year is to, to walk up to them and say, oh, come on, Mr. Frowny Face, it's Christmas. You know, to give them a hard time about the fact that they're not excited and, hey, turn that frown upside down or, or even complain about their lack of Christmas cheer or, you know, tinsel their cubicle because you want to spread them some Christmas cheer. Don't do that to somebody, please. That's a terrible idea. You see, sometimes we act like people should be able to just turn on the cheer just because we want them to, but it's not always that easy. And if you don't know why they're not into Christmas this year, I, I wouldn't take that risk. Instead, we need to meet them where they are. And the truth is, when we understand and acknowledge that wherever they are is okay, that can be extremely comforting and extremely encouraging. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says this, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. There's something that's just so encouraging about a person who allows you to be where you're at emotionally and doesn't expect you to act a certain way. If you encounter someone who's sad at Christmas time for whatever the reason is, and you make it clear to them that it's okay to be sad, it can actually serve to encourage them at least somewhat out of that sadness. You're not going to fix it all because there's probably a good reason there. But knowing that someone understands and cares is huge. And if you can do that and invite them into your Christmas celebration or do that and take your Christmas celebration to them, even better. But the truth is, the third thing I want to encourage you to do is really the most important of these three. If you encounter someone who's struggling this Christmas season, what they really need, really what everyone needs, is some comfort. And the kind of comfort that only comes from God. So we need to give the comfort of God. We need to be willing to pass that on to the people in our lives. Now here's the thing about comfort. A lot of us aren't good at communicating it. And I think a part of the reason for that is that every person in every situation is different, which means that there are different comforts, comfort needs for different people in, in different situations. And what's comforting for one person in one situation might not be very comforting to someone else in the same situation or in a different situation. And for me, I think that's why I struggle with expressing comfort, because I'm afraid that whatever I say or whatever I do, however I express it, might not actually be all that comforting or could even be offensive for some reason. I'm just being honest here. You're going to take a look into my brain here for a second. Um, when I do hospital visits, which I, I haven't had to do a lot, but I know over time I will, as a pastor, do a lot of hospital visits, um, I don't know what to say, okay? If, if you've never cold visited somebody in the hospital that's not family, like you feel like you've got to say something and people expect a pastor to say something, but I don't know what to say. And if any of you have ever been visited in the hospital by me, you're going, yeah, that, he doesn't know what to say. That's absolutely true. Um, I got a big laugh in second service. I think there actually were people who have been visited by me in that service who thought that it was, yeah, I was trying to make a joke. They were being real. And here's the thing. I could walk in and I could say, so what, why are you in the hospital? But that's not a good question. Because what if it's something they don't want to talk about? Or worse yet, what if it's something embarrassing? I don't want to know. They don't want to tell me, but, but I don't know what to talk about. I could talk about the weather. I could say, man, it's a lovely day outside, except they're stuck in a hospital room. So that's not nice. <laughs> Let me point out how nice it is outside. We could talk about the food, but we don't want to talk about the food. And I don't know what to say. I could ask how long they're going to be in the hospital, how long the doctors expect them to be in there, but that not, might not be a, a subject that they want to talk about. 
And now you see how easily I get into my own head. All I want to do is express some comfort, say a prayer. But expressing comfort can be difficult. And we get in our own heads and we think about this Christmas stuff. We say, well, what if my neighbor, what if I just think that they're lonely? What if they have all this family that's going to show up on Christmas Day and I'm acting like they have nobody? I just don't know any better. What if the coworker who seems to lack Christmas spirit just doesn't, doesn't believe the same things I do and, and doesn't celebrate Christmas for personal or religious reasons? What if they, they're not sad, they just don't care. They're not interested in Christmas anyway. And, and then we're going, well, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to make them feel bad. I don't want to make things worse. I don't want to point out that somebody's lonely. Hey, you look lonely. Let me help. I don't want to do that either. See, expressing comfort is difficult. Maybe some of you don't get into your head like that. I do. But I think we need to get out of our own heads and think about this, that comfort is comfort. And I would hope that the benefit of sharing the comfort of God with someone who might need it would outweigh the small risk of offending them in some way. And for someone in your life this year, the comfort of God could be the greatest gift that you could give them. I mean, let's think about exactly what we're talking about when we say the comfort of God. Scripture has a lot to say about the way that God brings about comfort. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. You see, some people have never been told that there is a God and he cares about them. Some people have never been told that. That there's a God and he cares about them. Imagine not knowing that anyone cared about you. Imagine feeling like no one cares. There are absolutely people who feel this way, who are convinced that no one cares about them. We have an opportunity to tell them, God cares about you, and so do we. Additionally, some people have a misunderstanding of what true comfort really is because they've never experienced much more than rub some dirt on it and move on. Quit crying or I'll give you something to cry about. It's possible that there are people who have grown up without ever really experiencing true comfort, especially in comparison to the comfort of God. But listen to what some of the psalmists had to say about the comfort of God. In Psalm 147, verse 3, He, He being God, heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. There are people who have wounds that never seem to heal, spiritual wounds, emotional wounds. Some people assume that a broken heart is forever. Some people simply don't expect comfort to ever come, and yet God specializes in those situations. It's part of who He is. Psalm chapter 68, verse 6, begins with these words, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. I've shared this verse in messages before, and I'll never stop loving it, this idea that God places the lonely in families. There are people who feel like they have no family, no place to belong, and yet God offers them a family to belong to, and we have the opportunity to offer on His behalf and to offer up our own families as a place to belong. Probably the most well-known psalm, Psalm chapter 23 in verse 4. It says this, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. It's hard for some of us to believe this Christmas season, but there may be someone in your life who doesn't see white snow and bright Christmas lights, but instead feels like they're walking through a dark valley because of circumstances or situations in their life. We need to not miss an opportunity to shine some light into the valley and point them to the comforter. And the truth is that that comfort comes 
most effectively from one place. It comes from hope. It comes from hope. Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, it says this, But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. What I read in that verse is that even in the midst of this dark world that just seems to be getting darker, that there is something beyond this place, that there is hope of eternity. And in light of the world that we live in and the way it seems to be going, that should be as comforting as anything. That God made a way for us to spend eternity with Him and that that should bring us hope. And that hope needs to be shared. We have the opportunity to give comfort this Christmas and and through that comfort give that same hope to other people. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, a very simple prayer. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, this is the prayer I pray for you and we need to pray for one another for this Christmas season and always. That God would so fill us that we overflow and that we would share that overflow and the source of that overflow with those who need to understand the joy and the peace and truly the comfort that only comes from God. This Christmas, someone in your life is wondering if this is really the most wonderful time of year. Or they're pretty sure it's not. You and I, we have the opportunity to make it wonderful for them in the name of Jesus. To maybe even change their life this Christmas. I don't know what this looks like for you. I know when I was a kid, this is the time of year when my parents would kind of finalize the Christmas schedule. Some of you are in the midst of this. All right, when are we going to go to this person's house? When are we going to go to this? When are we going to this grandparents? When are we going to that grandparents? Because you've got to have a full-on Christmas at both grandparents. And I'll admit to you, I was more excited about one grandparent's house than the other because the presents were better. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie. They were better. <laughs> they were better at one than the other. <clears throat> I looked forward to both, but I was a kid. I loved presents, okay? But there was always, and that was fine, we'd do one usually the weekend before Christmas, one usually the weekend after, and kind of reserve Christmas Day for our family, and we always did the Christmas Eve service. You never had to worry about that changing on the schedule, because it's always Christmas Eve. And There was one other thing we always made sure we did around Christmas. My, my great-grandmother was still alive when I was in, in elementary into middle school, and um, she lived in a home about 25 minutes, a nursing home about 25 minutes away from the house, and we went regularly to see her anyway, but we always made special trips around Christmas. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, as a kid, I didn't understand why that was so important. And we'd go in and we'd talk to her and we'd, and I remember thinking as a kid, she doesn't really even know who I am. She doesn't remember when we visit. This seems pointless. And, and yet my, my, my parents and my grandparents, they were very intentional. This is what we need to do. We need to be here. They didn't, she didn't even always recognize them. And my parents went, you know, why don't you guys, my sisters, why don't you guys sing a Christmas song for Granny B? She'd really like it if you sang a Christmas song. So we'd sing a Christmas song. And I'd say, why are we doing this? She's not even, I don't even know if she can hear us. 
Well, here, the, the lady in the next bed, the, the, her roommate, she might want to, you guys should go tell her Merry Christmas too, maybe sing her a song too. And so we'd, we'd sing for her too. And if I remember correctly, every, every once in a while, my parents would say, well, I don't, we've, we've talked to the lady next door before. Why don't you go to the next room over? They might like to hear a, a Christmas song. Just, just have a Merry Christmas. And I remember as a kid, like, I did what I was told, but I didn't understand why this mattered so much. My grandma would come in, and she would, she would make sure that Granny B's room was all decorated. Does she even care? Like, I didn't understand why all of this mattered so much to them. I do now. That even if those folks didn't really know what we were doing there, why we were there, even if they didn't remember that we sang them Christmas songs, we did something small that we could do to show them the light of Christmas, to, to show them a little bit of Jesus just by being there, family or not, just by being there and, and sharing with them, giving them some time, acknowledging that this might not be the most wonderful time of the year for them, but we can do something for them instead. So again, I don't know what this looks like for you, but there are people in your life this Christmas, if your eyes are open, that you'll see need this from you, that, that you can do something for. And, and whatever that looks like, bake them some cookies, you know, go Christmas caroling, invite them into your celebration, whatever that looks like, when we do it in the name of Jesus, we have the opportunity to truly show them the, the comfort and the hope that only he can bring this Christmas. And, and the truth is, if they come to know him, it really will be the, the best Christmas ever. So again, whatever that is for you, I challenge you to, to figure that out this Christmas. What can I do to be a light to someone else? Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we are thankful <clears throat> for the story behind Christmas, for the reason that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And God, we look forward to studying that over the next several weeks. But as we begin the Christmas season together in this place, I pray that we would see, that our eyes would be open enough to see the people in our lives who need some light, who need to see your light, who need your love. And I pray that we could show them that love this Christmas season. And I pray that you would inspire us not to get so caught up in our own to-do list, in our own busyness, that we miss all those things, but instead inspire us to action. We can make a difference in, in several lives this Christmas. God, when you sent Jesus, you made a difference in the life of everyone who's ever lived. Is he came not just to be born and walk this earth, but to die for our sins. And so I pray we could pass that on this Christmas. As we move into a time of communion, I pray that that would be our focus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.